I learned some swear words just for our guest today. In español. Los cojones. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but. <laughs> Hola a todos. Welcome to tonight's wireless podcast where the beautiful, fast, brilliant fishmates. Esta vez la vamos a hacer también un poquito en español. Vamos a tener cerveza para todos. Tonight we're joined by our special guest, me, Jaime Muñoz, joined by Brian Dodds, Christian Roberts, joining the company of Alan Blake. What am I supposed to do now? Was I supposed to finish with the music? No, like, no. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah, he was. Yeah. Let's not lie to him. He was. <laughs> I, I stopped well, it then on purpose because I was up. Did we go faster? <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it was good. Let's leave it. Let's just leave it. Let's run with it. It's fine. Yeah. All right. Whatever. I, I thought it was really good. It was just great. <laughs> the fact that you just bluntly we, stopped. We, we've, been, we've, we've been practicing this for about two hours now anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to tell you, it's funny. So, Ryan, we've got another new landlord. Last week, it was uh, Scott. This week, we got Ferdy. Hey, hi, day. To be honest, it kind of works better without Dan. I, I hate does. to see it. I mean, Fernie's got hair, so there's an improvement. Um, you know, the light's not... He does, and, you know, he's not having his blue kegs drying behind him. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe um, the, the atmosphere and the ambience is kind of more kind of, you know, Latino kind of feel. We're in the man cave. With Fernie's man cave. Here's the man cave, yeah. Yeah. It does look pretty cool. Yeah. So, yeah, cool, man. So, Fernie, thank you very much for uh, opening up the bar tonight. Um, I would have been uh, a bit devastated if we weren't open again because, you know, alcohol is uh, the, the, the what of life, the fluid of life. I've just made that up, but that'll do. It sounds really good. So, what are you up to these days, buddy? You good? Yeah, doing good. Uh here in my man cave and just teaching remotely. Um, and I was wondering, why are you guys having me on the show? I mean, because, you know, this is like, it always in my mind is like a place for, you know, CEOs and, you know, Keith Parsons and, you know, Luke, Chuck Lukaszewski and all these big shots. And I'm like, these guys must be really bored and nothing else to do that they call me on the show. You've, you've been emailing us for weeks. We've ignored you. We've ignored I'll be honest with you. We, just, we, we had a meeting, had a podcast meeting, and we decided, like, let's let Fernie in, okay? Like, we can't take any more of these voicemails and these emails and these constant messages and DMs. driving me mad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've listened to this podcast, right, Fernie? Um, there's yeah, no I'm... way in hell we'd want to get... The yeah, likes of Keith and yeah. Chuck would never lower themselves to this. I mean, come on. Absolutely. <laughs> I think yeah, we were described a... as bottom feeders on a Slack channel today, weren't we? Uh, we were, yeah. We, in fact, we were described as the example of how far to fall. That's it. <laughs> We've reached rock bottom. Only, only one way from rock bottom, though, isn't there? Up. Oh. It, is. it is. So, uh, yeah, so you're down in the depths of despair with, with, uh, with us, Bernay. So um, I'm hopeful that you can swim to the surface eventually and... Uh, Climb, climb shore. I'll try. Well, yeah. It'll be nice hanging out with you guys. I, I didn't realize until, you know, a couple of weeks that Christian had been in one of my classes as well. And, you know, 
Ryan, I have to admit, I was humbled by the message you posted on, uh, on LinkedIn about, you know, you were in class and, you know, all this spark about Wi-Fi comes on. You're like, oh, you know, and then you start walking towards that. And I was like, wow, I haven't replied because I didn't know what to say. Like, thanks. But it's not like big words. It makes me feel important. And that's the reason why I keep, you know, teaching and training is people like you guys that, you know, you just go in class trying to, like, get a certification and learn something and then walk out with, you know, an idea or something i mean curiosity is definitely what drives us to keep going and and that's what motivates us so thank you for that message it's we, we, we were discussing this the other day actually wasn't we? the cwna light bit of the uh, ecc course me and ryan both thought were absolutely brilliant and that's that's kind of what got us hooked to think it's it's only a it's a four day course and you've got a lot to teach you know you've got to teach the echo how tool but you know the first couple of days when you were just focusing on wireless and sort of the first chance people get to i don't know appreciate the the complexity of it yeah it's, and, and it's really it's really powerful it is it is and it's so simple but at the same time it's so complex that it's just you know hard to explain and um i have to admit you know a lot of these things are so complicated that it's just hard to explain them and uh i like simple stuff i just make it simple you know explain it in a way that you know, make sense to you know us human beings <laughs> and not you know at a higher level but just in a, in a way that can be useful for us and yes there is a lot of information and there is still even more information and uh there is so much and since i i come from the field i i decided that uh when i started sharing about you know uh, wi-fi and you know the little i know about wi-fi and 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 of course the uh, ekahau as the tool is that uh, I had to make that time worth because you know you guys travel long distances and and being there for four days not very exciting for training it's like uh, and then on top of that you have uh, work and you have family and you have other things like you know these four days gotta count for something not just content and uh, you know taking that uh, approach of not just teaching you content uh, but teaching the process and teaching you know about mistakes that we've made is what you know kind of uh what we focus on just make sure that it's it's worth the time so that you're not you know suffering there for four days you're kind of like you know excited about something and and this this field is definitely a, a place to do it and uh it you know i've had i had so many classes not only in the uk but uh, throughout the world and um I met so many people like last year I was like, oh, I'm going to meet the ninjas, you know, and at the conference in Prague. And, mm -hmm. and then I go to the Wi-Fi ninjas and I go and introduce really? myself oh, no. to Matt. They call the Wi-Fi fairies. So I go in and I say, I introduce myself to Mac, you know, I say, hey, you know, nice to meet you. And, you know, like, Fernay, I was in your class. Like, oh, really? Like, yeah, we went out and had beers together. Remember? Like, no, I'm sorry. I was <laughs> embarrassed i was like oh and then i started looking at pictures you know we take pictures and, and I, I realized that yeah he was there and it's it's hard to remember everybody that's why when i was uh when i saw a picture I'm like, oh christian's there he was in class i'm like oh you know sorry i was I was, I was from raw <laughs> yeah you were just you know there on the back made an impression know? on you clearly Fernay. yeah oh uh, well, yeah obviously you remembered uh, me that's why he didn't oh yeah question. right that's because yeah. you, you went out for a curry didn't you with him no nope. oh, i no, tell you what this this is absolutely phenomenal right so it's probably one of the i've only been to oxford a handful of times and uh so funny said hey 
fancy going for something to eat? So I was like, yeah, come on. He says, I know a brilliant little place we can go to. So I was like, right, fine. And I'm not kidding you, there was people queuing out of the door. So you, you come in off this little cobbled street <clears throat> and you go upstairs, but there's people queuing on the stairs. Right. Yeah, table. Obviously, we hadn't, we hadn't booked or anything. So then the waitress came downstairs, looked at everybody individually, spotted Fernie at the bottom of the stairs and was like, oh, Fernie, come on, come on upstairs. We bypassed all of these people and we were pretty much just given a table in the corner and went, there you go. Everyone else had to wait, but they parted waves for Moses there. Yeah, and I go there all the time. Uh, Well, when I'm there, you know, Uh, and it's a, a Thai restaurant that, I don't remember honestly who introduced me to that. I don't know if it was uh, Paul Morris, you know, a guy that was in class that he's uh, he works with with Meru and Fortinet. Or he, uh, but then you know later it's like every class I just drag as many people there as I can. And uh, so far I haven't had anybody walked out say, "Oh, that was you know kind of like eh. it was." In my, it's my idea. It's really good. It's really tasty. Oh, you, you're asking for you saying you're going for one or. <laughs> you need to ask us what we're drinking. That's one of our main features. Ooh, oh, oh, right. Really you're, yes. you're, the, you're the landlord. You're behind I'm the talking bar. About, I'm talking You've about food. Yeah, this is the podcast. Where are you guys drinking? What are you drinking, Alan? Let's start with you. Oh, didn't think you'd ever ask me, Fernie. I tell you, I've got a very <laughs> special drink for this special occasion, right? Um, because we do the podcast every. I got a big Wednesday IPA Ooh, just for tonight. Thursday. Oh. And what do you have, Christian? Oh shit! Uh, I've got some. Oh. I've got a few actually. I've got some vocation IPA. So this one's called Life and Death. It's the only oh, fucking vocation you've got, son. Got a uh, heart and soul. Heart and soul. Oh, you soul, have like a not connection of them. Yeah, yeah, and that's soul, not arsehole. Um, and pride and joy. Oh, Christian, I've got the other one. I've got the one that you're missing. I've got it in the fridge. <laughs> what is it called? Because <laughs> I can't remember. I've got it in the fridge as well. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know. Oh my god! This is amazing. This is this is a magical moment you're witnessing, Fernie. We both bought the same. I'm day. like, oh no, it's another life and death. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I'm gonna go. Oh, oh, I'm gonna tell you what it's. Looks like he's going to get some. What do you got, Ryan? Yeah. Um. So I've got an Indian pale lager. Um. And I guess it's green because I cannot see it on the oh the oh here we go. It's got elephants. It's got elephants on it. Oh stuff. yeah, yeah, I can see it now. So I specifically tried to look for a Thai beer. I couldn't find any Chang on the basis that um, I was supposed to be mid-flight to Thailand right now. Oh. I'm not. Oh. Well, sorry, man. I do know about a a good Thai restaurant in Oxford. Yeah, I would have been landing in Bangkok about now. Oh, man. Well, sorry about that. I, I'm sure so many people's plans have been you know, interrupted with this. I know Mr. Parsons had like a whole year full of traveling around the world and bang. So, um, so drink. Oh, you, yeah, you drink a Thai beer. I don't know. This is all I could find. Sorry, guys. This probably can be inappropriate. Oh, but Fernie, you, you can't say that word. In. No, oh, but this is on the beer side. I also have um, a drink that I will fix Ooh. myself. It's Ooh. it's a tequila. Uh, a guy in class in Mexico gave me this. This is like a, a super fine, I don't know. I don't know anything about liquor or anything. Tequila. But it's really tasty. That looks, uh, that looks like it, it would kick your ass and leave you at the edge of the road for dead. No, no, no. Actually, it's really, really mild. And, and it's a, a, 
a drink I learned to, uh, it's called a white cowboy. It's fixed with a, I'll just, you know, fix it as we go, but it's actually here. Let me just tell you briefly what it is. Just it got, ice. It's got, it got ammo in it. <laughs> Bullets. Got what? Gunpowder. Gunpowder. No, no. Why is it no, called no. a white cowboy? Why is a it called a white it's cowboy? It's got horse shit in it. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it has ice, of course. Uh, it has, we use this drink called squirt. <laughs> and, uh, it's like a drink wine. before. Oh, lime. So and then uh, got you know <laughs> lime and and salt, but the salt is not on the edge of the glass. It's like in the drink. You just so, mix so it. Do you do, do you do the tequila slammer or the tequila suicide? No, oh. the uh, no, you mix it. All oh, right, okay. So you you have like a, a third of uh, tequila, and then you know the eyes, and probably just uh, one fourth of of the drink, and then squeeze the lemon or the lime and then put salt in it and stir it and off it goes really kind of sound like a girly drink but it i like it it's really tasty so tequila slammer side we'd be we'd be doing it wrong then haven't we so we when we do tequila slammers or suicides we obviously do it bit by bit but it's flat pack put it all together and drink it <laughs> oh <laughs> so it's the ikea of tequila yeah to kite nah didn't work i was gonna yeah, out then. <laughs> all right Aquila. Aquila! Don't they say that's the best karaoke song? Song? Yeah, yeah. That's. Did you see the guy who went on the X Factor or something like that and did it? That was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And it like goes forever. And then, tequila. Yeah. So it just stood there straight face and went, tequila. They got through to the next round and then yeah. failed. Oh. I was thinking of the other tequila song. Tequila, it makes me happy. Um, trying to, oh, what, it was, uh, do you not know that song or my own here? I, I know the song, but I don't, I don't know who sang it. Oh, I know it. It sounds like a 90s song, but yeah, I think it was. Okay. Um, so moving on. Um, so, Fernie, you mentioned earlier before about uh, the fact that you've uh, teaching Eckerhart classes. Um, I want to ask you a question. Um, obviously, with the current state of the world that we're in right now, um, you're talking about meeting people face to face and going out for Thai food and forgetting their faces and having to obviously be reminded about them when you see a photo. What's it like teaching these ECSC classes virtually then for you? Because obviously, um, that's a bit of an adjustment and a, I'll be, something yes, different, it, right? It was. And, and if you talk to me about you know, online classes before this happened, I would be a first person like, no, no way. I just, you know, when you're one click away from, you know, Facebook and the news and sports and YouTube, it's just hard to keep people engaged. Sometimes it's hard to keep people engaged in the classroom face to face. But uh, that's why I try to like make things, you know, a little bit different and add content that maybe is, uh, is more intriguing and, and presented in a way that, you know, people get interested. Uh, online has been definitely different. And uh, luckily, I have, you know, this big space here. This is a detached garage from the house. It's about seven meters by five meters. And the guy that lived here before had, had a shop in here. And he just, you know, I don't know what he had in mind with this, but I painted it and cabled the whole place and, and conditioned it without knowing this was going to happen. And then my wife was kind of like, why are you wasting time on that garage? You know, just like painting it and making it look nice. 
like, well, I like it clean and organized. And then now this hit and like, okay. And then I make this my, my office. The first class was, I don't know. I was nervous and was scared about it because it's like online and, and I was not too convinced about that, but it actually has worked out quite well. Um, I've, I'm making things different in a way that, uh, we don't waste any time. Actually, there's like no waste of time. Not that we waste time when we are face to face, but there are just logistical things that we have to do, like go to the restaurant and sit down and wait for the meals to be served. And then we have a break that, you know, they will come and bring food to us. And then we have like a specific time. Uh, and then traffic, you guys in, in London, you know how it is. And we had a guy once in the class in Oxford that he was driving, I don't know, somewhere north of London to Oxford every day. And he said, like, I wake up at four in the morning because they couldn't schedule a hotel and stuff. So traffic basically is gone. Now we don't have to worry about this. And I have a whole bunch of stuff that we kind of bring to class face to face. So I can show stuff and I can do demos and I can do things uh, different that I could on a, on a live class. Yes, we lose the, um, that you know, sharing a meal with the students and talking about, you know, stuff and that human uh, touch is, is gone. It's not there, but we still have interaction and we talk and we have time to share and, and tell stories and guys that know each other. Some guys I had in class that say like, Oh, you are for, Oh yeah. I remember we did this project, you know, like five years ago and, and they, we still have that interaction, but online has been different. See, I'm not too sure which classes you've been teaching, Finney, because uh, when I seen Christian, I was like, oh, Christ, look at that arse all over there. <laughs> so the design one, the one you guys took, has been like the, the main one. Uh, the troubleshooting one was one that came after you guys were in class. That's a new class. And that has a lot of hands-on. We have a switch. We have uh, WLAN pies, and we have devices that we have uh, – that we use in class and at the beginning we were like no we're not going to offer any of those because you know we have gear and stuff yeah that's not possible uh but then i had already taught several of these classes and i was like you know what it is possible we can we just have to ship this stuff that's going to be a hassle and i we've i've done the you know the first or, or uh, first couple of them and yeah we just have to ship we got these uh pelican boxes that we packed uh, a microtech router and a WLAN Pi and some cables and, and adapters and we just ship it to, to the reseller and then the like open reality is uh, an example and they just got all 12 kits and then they ship it to their students we use it in class and then they ship it back to open reality and it's there for the next class and then it just ships out to the new students so we're doing also the uh, the troubleshooting yeah and then we just do the labs. We do uh, a lot of hands-on. And, of course, uh, we, the other thing we don't have is, well, to a certain extent, is that when you're doing an exercise, just like walking behind you, looking over your shoulder, oh, here, here's what you have to do it and kind of like seeing where people are. But when somebody's got an issue, like, yeah, mine is not working. Oh, here, you're going to share your screen. They share the screen. And they're like, oh, here we go. And this is how you do it. Or, or we work out sometimes other students and say like oh you know i just had the same problem this is what i did so the interaction is great and it's actually better when somebody has an issue and they share the screen because not only me is looking at it it's like everybody's looking at it and and one of the big things of these classes is not so much uh what i teach 
is what I learned and what we all learned from other students and just being in class. So that, that's one of the, of the great things. And the, and the online has put, you know, things that we didn't know was possible in our, in our place. So teach, there are many good and bad things about the online. Uh, for some of the students, maybe they wanted to, you know, do that trip to London and go to class to, you know, open reality and, and stuff. For some others, they couldn't do it and, and because of, I don't know, visas or travel restrictions or money or whatever. Now it's more convenient for them. For me, I miss you know, hanging out with the students and the staff, but let me tell you, being at home, it's so nice. Just, you know, I wake up, yeah, sometimes odd hours because <laughs> it's nine to five, wherever you are, but I, you know, sometimes it's like midnight till 10 in the morning or five in the afternoon till one in the morning or just regular hours, a little bit off, but it's always here. I don't have to pack anything. I don't have to, you know, go through customs. I don't have to go through uh, immigration lines or, you know, airports. Airplanes are not like the best places to hang out at, but uh, it's, it's, it's good. I mean, it's, it's definitely unconventional. This is not what we're used to, but we have adapted quick and uh, it's actually working out pretty good. Do you think it's here to stay then? Do you think uh, next year we uh, might actually see things come back to normal, but actually online training could, could still prevail maybe? Or... And I guess when things do go back to normal, what have you learned from online training that you'd try to replicate in a classroom environment? Okay, so like one of the things, you know, at the beginning of the class, we have presentations because, you know, I, I usually just don't know who's coming to class. They show up and, you know, who are you? What are you doing? I need to know where people stand. So we know we go really fast and advanced or we have to, you know, take care of the guy that is just like, hey, you know, I, I have no idea about this wifi stuff. Then we have to, you know, figure it out. So one thing Ryan. that I that I've done. <laughs> no, I, actually, I'll tell you from Ryan, and I use uh, him as, a, as an example of like when stuff that I learn in class, because people are, oh, you're the teacher. Like, no, I'm just a no Wi-Fi guy. I'm going to share the little I know with you guys, and I'm going to be learning from you. Uh, I learn uh, I learn in every class, and from uh, Ryan, you know, the leaky feeds, you know, all these uh, stuff that you've done. I had no idea about that. I had heard about it, but he was the one who pretty much gave me my first lesson about that. And I was like, wow. What did you learn from Christian then? Because oh, they were in the same class. <laughs> Christian, I, I don't told Ryan about leaky feet. This. Yeah. He, told, he taught <laughs> Ryan, I Ryan everything I know. Right, Christian? Yeah. So, the, uh, so what I do in the online class is that I send all the students a... Um, a Google Doc where we just put our basic information, name, email, and years of experience with Wi-Fi. Are you a user of Ekahau or not? And then just like some basics, you know, experience that you have. And then it saves us, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes. Uh, so that is definitely something that once we go back face-to-face, -face, I'll be implementing that. Uh, just trying to be more efficient uh, uh, with the time. And... Also, the, now we have a, a lot of stuff with the uh, iPads and iPhones and, and, and things that were not available, you know, uh, last year or the year before. So there will be a lot of the demos that I do that people see on their screens. What I see on my screen, on, on my iPad or my iPhone, I just shared that. And uh, it's actually easier that way because when I share it, people see it on their screen. Before, when we were on a computer, we had to like get people gathered around to you know see what I was seeing. So 
doing that sharing of, 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 of the screen and, and what you're doing live uh, has been very efficient. Uh, the one thing we have lost is the like the walk click walk click when we have guys in in the classroom that we take out in the hotel and the in the hallways and, and the conference area that they go and, and do uh, their survey part. But what I do is that I uh, share my screen and then I start walking around my property. Can you have a big backyard and I just walk out and then I have the camera and then they see where I'm going and and kind of give them that instruction. It's not like like a Ferne cam, have you? Is that what it kind is? Of. Like a little, dro little yeah. drone, <laughs> like indoor a drone that flies around, <laughs> like a little GoPro attached to the helmet. Or do you get one of those Amazon kind of um, drones that we were talking about the other week, guys? You know, the one yeah. that just go, <laughs> yeah, and well, just follow you around and just watch you survey. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Perhaps I should something I, I, I do, it, except that I have a whole bunch of trees here on the side that I'm sure that will be gone. But uh, yeah, there are just <laughs> lots of things that, 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 that we do here that I have to that I have the ability so that I can, you know, provide better instruction to all the attendees. And, and you know, yeah, some guys have been doing it for years. Others just come like brand new that they have no idea and, and they don't know what a survey or just the what click part is. And, and so we have to uh, just take care of everybody. So yeah, there are uh, a few, uh, I think time management, Christian, to answer your question is one of the things I will bring into the, uh, into the classroom. And, you know, I try to use time as good as possible, but now with the online stuff, um, we've learned to like manage it differently because we don't have all the time uh, that, that we had in class. And sometimes we had discussions after class. Now time is very, you know, it's, it's such a precious uh, asset that we have to, to use it wisely. Cool. Just, just looking around your uh, your man cave there, you've got a, a, an impressive array of access points above your head, haven't you? What well, I, I recognise the uh, is that a thirty-eight hundred or a forty-eight hundred? Yeah, well, yeah. well, let's see, let's see so if what, I can. What we got? Uh, let's on cam. Let me share my screen. Oh, I cannot share. It says the host oh, is safe. We had a bad experience with people joining Zoom once. Oh, really? That's the topless fine. Man. Yeah. There we go. There we go, Bernie. Try now. Okay, let me share now. Share this guy over here. I should play some incidental music while we're uh dun 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 Well that good enough. No, keep doing it. It's not ready. It's still, it's still working dun, out. Dun, cool. dun, I mean, dun, for, dun, for someone who's been teaching yeah. this Pass on Zoom for months on end, <laughs> he's struggling. I'm <laughs> struggling. Sarah's screen. You, you need, oh, no, you need no, some no, more access points. I'm just trying to make this uh, air server work. <laughs> there we go. Hang on. Mm -mm -mm -mm. So I like about the, uh, the okay. jukebox music when Fernie's the landlord. It's kind of oh yeah. You know, okay, let me share uh, this when Latino upbeat kind of thing. Rumba. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Look at this. Oh, you could you could have just joined <laughs> Zoom from your phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, no, but I've had problems with feedback. All oh, right. Okay. Like so, this one's better. What negative feedback or. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh hello. Oh, look at that. <laughs> Boom. And Pretty then, uh, this we use in tests. So let's see. 
if you can recognize them all. Cisco 30... So it looks like 48, it's quite big. It's well, a new one. Thick. What is 4800? it? 4800. 4800. One point to me. Uh, AP 43. Missed. Yep. This is really good for a podcast, by the way. So if anybody's uh, listening, <laughs> what's going on. Oh, you don't show the video. Oh, a I'll go fast then. I thought, you know, we can edit this later. But That's an Aruba that one's, you know, 303. 335. You idiot. Oh, Ryan, God's sake. Uh, that's, that's Ruckus, that's isn't Ruckus. it? That's Ruckus. You can yeah. tell by the horrible design. Seven ten. Airhorn. That's a, a li- Sky, um, skydish. Ubiquitous channel fives, and then a mimosa, and then yeah, there's a whole bunch more. And we've been testing, doing a lot of tests with the uh, testing with the uh, uh, other mids, the forty three, you know, the AX version, and other uh, uh, of those guys. So. Yeah, this is basically my environment. You've probably seen it uh, already. It's just a big garage, but I just turned it into an office. That's my IKEA table that you know I just crank up and down because I stand all the time. I don't sit during class, and it's just stuff you know throughout storage. Lots of what are you stuff. testing with all those APs then? Ah, uh, and then look what I got here. I got my oh, he's my got his printing that I haven't. Ooh, hold on, that's a Spitfire. Yeah. Like Spitfires? That's that's a picture of a Spitfire for listeners. It's not an actual Spitfire in fairness garage. Uh, so basically, yes, we're going to tour of the, uh, we have to the garage. It's, it's, it's impressive. Well, I have a lot of stuff that is just useful sometimes, but it just starts getting cluttered sometimes. Mm-hmm. Let me just stop sharing this and let's just can, talk. Oh, I, can yeah. see, I can see a Roku remote, the best TV platform. Would you agree, Ryan? It is. Very good. Mm. Just, just a, a fact that I've uh, wanted to share since I've seen it. Um, the, the inventor of the Segway, it was a British guy, and he actually died by riding a Segway off a cliff by accident. Off a cliff, yeah, I know. It was pretty sad. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and there's that uh, Mr. Parsons Segway right there. We've done testing. So you're asking what testing we're doing. We are uh, just like uh, looking at uh, APs and see like how far you can be connected and transferring data. Some of that uh, information has been uh, posted already. Some other is still in progress. Um, I will be going to the uh, the uh, salt flats, you know, where they do you know like speed mm-hmm. testing for cars and breaking you know I don't know sound and, and all that stuff. But I will be doing the um, some testing to see how fast you can survey because I get that question asked all the time. Like how fast can you go? And I had you know one of the guys once asked like was doing a uh, uh, one of my guys at at, at a place at doing a, a AP on a stick. And like how fast can I walk? Like you know what those uh, waves move at the speed of light flash. Don't worry, it's gonna catch up with you. And then that concern keeps coming after enough. Like should I walk really fast or just walk slow? And how fast? Like I will be it doing some testing. On how many network cards you have? Versus how fast it depends on how many cars, what channels you're scanning, data um, points per minute, meter maybe. You could you could come up with a, a stick, yeah. So yeah, but like if you're doing just one channel on AP on a stick, you can go really fast because I mean these thing those are ten beacons per second. You're not gonna miss any. And uh, I've done it in cars in a mine, a big open mine. And we did it on a car. Put the psychic on top of the truck, and we just drove around. And uh, that was good enough. 
so I'm going to just do some testing with the Segway because some people said, oh, a Segway goes too fast. You're going to miss it. Like, not really, depending on what channel you're scanning. If you're in a big open space on a big open field, yeah, you're not going to have any problems. You could probably write some sort of really complicated vector type equation to calculate how uh, how fast you can go, can't you? Yeah, well, I don't have the yeah, I'm sure there, there is something about it, but I will uh, be doing some more of that testing. So I have that tower. I have like a big DJ lighting uh, stuff that uh, we mounted a whole bunch of the um, Wi-Fi stand, uh, those brackets. And then I have like, you know, nine APs in it. And I have uh, Axel text batteries, multiples uh, that I have in there. And because uh, some of these uh, APs require like BT power. I don't have any BT switches and we're going to be out there in an open field. Uh, definitely, we have to rely on, on batteries to do it. And, and just be, I, I did a lot of testing here. Like I set up all this space with tables, brought the tower, mounted it as I was going to mount it. We did some of the stuff in a football field. Um, and uh, so I had to stage it here. She's like, okay, how am I going to do it? I cannot go to a football field, carry all this stuff and tripods and, and carry all those things and then try to figure it out over there. I can't. I have to do it here, make sure we have enough power. And I tested and see how long will an AP be powered with these batteries because that's the other thing. We cannot go and just like take our time. Like, no, we have limited time. Uh, and in that case, this battery was going to uh, put a constraint on how long we can be there testing. And yeah, we can do it for you know three, four hours with some APs, but other APs in a couple hours will drain the battery, depending on what we're doing. That doing testing, I had we had a, a an old Lenovo, it's like a I don't know five six year old Lenovo. I put a uh, an AX a NIC in it, and then we have an a AX AP, a couple of them, and a Ruba five fifteen and uh, a Cambium. Uh, and then we also had AC with high power, AC with low power. We had the mist ones. We had um, a couple of Cisco's, and and we were just testing, just uh, 10 meters, 25 meters, 50, 75, and 100 meters, just like doing a speed test to a local WLAN Pi and another one at the district office. So we're just transferring data. And, and looking at the speed that we were getting and the throughput we were getting. And in some cases, because of reflections, like further distance, we were getting better speeds because we had the bleachers, the, all the seating where uh, the, basically, since this is, there's no video, let me try to explain this. We had a rack with um, nine APs mounted, like uh, DJ lightning you know, type of uh, brackets, and then put all those up and then we place it on one corner of the football field. And I'm talking about American football field, but it's about the same size of a soccer field or football. I call it football. I call it in Colombia, you know, yes. football. That's, yeah. football. That's correct. Football. Correct. Yeah. So place it on one corner, and then we just sat a table with the testing devices. We had an iPhone, we had an iPad, we had the Lenovo one, and we had a MacBook Pro 13-inch AC. And I uh, just started you know, doing tests one AP to all four access points. I mean, one client to all four access points. And then the next client to all four access points doing you know, test local and test to, uh, to the remote side going through a cellular connection. And um, we just started going. You know, every uh, different distance, taking notes and making uh, the speed test and, and just getting information about it. The, uh, 
some of this stuff has been posted on videos that you know Mr. Parson has been doing. Uh, I know the whole month of month of uh, September and now October, he's been posting like short training videos. Some of those results are there. And uh, basically, my old Lenovo with an AX card outbid the uh, MacBook Pro, you know, 13 AC with three special streams and stuff. It just it was got better performance, better. Is, is that is that just because of AX and the fact that a smaller yeah. resource unit has higher power? Uh, it was still you. Um, well, I don't. We know one thing we didn't uh, do in, in this testing was like do packet capture, but there's so much that we cannot see, and I don't know how to do it yet uh, on the AX only part. But yeah, the the I don't know the the spatial streams. We had an AP with eight spatial streams, <coughs> the Cambium, and uh, it seemed to give a better better throughput overall. Uh, with that AX client. So AXAP, AX client, the throughput was better, you know, even a long distance. So we were a hundred meters and we were still transferring data like successfully. Not, you know, not, I'm not talking one, two megabits per second. We were, you know, 15, uh, 20, 30 megabits per second. It's interesting, nice. that, isn't it? Because if, you, if you're doing like IPF tests or speed tests or whatever, you'd expect the client to use the full channel width which doesn't make a difference power wise and does it your signal to noise ratio is the same and all that kind of stuff so yeah and you, wanna, and you wanna know one that was interesting we got an iphone and set it on on MiFi mode so basically i became our ap in one corner yeah. of the football field with the other piece and then we associated another iphone to it as a client and then we started doing the same test well the test going out to the internet because we we didn't have interface to uh, for the local uh, speed test server, but then <clears throat> up to 100 meters, iPhone to iPhone, we're still transferring data. Never lost the connection. Yes, it was uh, open space. It was, um, yeah, line of sight kind of thing, but we were 100 meters. That's impressive. We were still getting you know, pretty good speeds. It is impressive. We've got um, the charging stations for cars outside our offices, but they, they connect to wireless. And we only just realized recently that there was a car park somewhere, couldn't get wireless signal, so they put their own wireless system in there without telling us. But all these charging stations have been connected to our wireless network in car parks opposite offices for, for months and months now, and nobody, nobody had a clue. But it is impressive the distance you can get over free space. Yeah. Especially in five gigahertz, some of the upper band five gigahertz channels where the signal to noise ratios so good you know you've got a really low noise floor you can you can pass data no problem and it's going to be brilliant when you get to six gigahertz where there's absolutely nothing using those bands whatsoever at the moment yeah so yeah there's more more testing to do and and time is you know what we sometimes don't have and and resources like i would like to test more more equipment but you know we don't have access to everything uh one thing i do want to test is uh directional antennas and kind of uh, get more information and educate myself more in the uh, re reciprocity of the antennas. Did I say that right? Reciprocity. Reciprocity. Yeah. Reciprocity. Recipro I, I, I can't say it. Is it reciprocity or reciprocity? I can't. Reciprocity. I don't even know myself. Reciprocity sounds. Reciprocity. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. I just say reciprocity. One thing I was going to do before lockdown was similar to that, but with, uh, you know, you see online these uh, like cantennas and stuff like that. And yeah. Alan, you'll, you'll remember my Civ tenor. So I've got a Civ and I put a, a 
a dipole okay. straight through the middle, a rubber ducky, and uh, I did a survey, and it was absolutely brilliant. You got such a good directional antenna out of just a sieve. Um, so I, I was gonna, I was gonna go to a, a soccer field, football field, and like one of those Pringle cans, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Then I've got, in fact, I've got one. I did one of those in school, like I don't know, fifteen years ago. I should have kept it, but uh, I didn't. Yeah, but that's that's one thing I want to do is just do some testing with that, with the uh, directional antennas, and you know, make sure that yes, clients will have better better experience that way. No, I, I can't wait to go to a customer site and they'll say, oh, right, what antennas are we putting in? I'll say, well, let me just pop down to Wilkinson's and I'll, I'll get a couple of sieves and I'll knock them up. It's brilliant. You get, you get one of these. Let me just pop down to Wilkinson's. I'll get so what beam width is that then, Christian? <laughs> and I'm not going to watch your horizontal It's brilliant. You get, you get degrees. How do you know that? <laughs> Did you measure it where <laughs> it drops 3 dB <laughs> on your azimuth? Yeah. Uh, okay. this, this is just, this just a stick. You know basic, Did you measure it where it drops 3 dB? And off you go. On your azimuth. Yeah. It works. It actually works. You should market that. Sell it. I sell it. Give them a call. Yeah. Oh no, they've been sold. So uh, yeah, the, they're not interested. Actually, works. Not interested in safety anymore. So, Fernie, if you, if you want to, if you want me to send you a safe, you can test that if you want. Hmm. Yeah, maybe we'll talk later and give me some information and see. So, Fernie, yeah, if you want to, always, if you want me to send you a safe for doing, you know, this type of thing. Yeah, the best one is, you know, the uh, Monster Energy drinks. Get one of those and cut a hole in the side and stick it through the top. And it just, it's really yeah, narrow beam which you get from that monster. And because it's an energy drink, yeah, it's full of caffeine. Is, you know, fast. the uh, monster energy drink. And what interface do you use to connect it? Just whatever cable you have available? You've got to, you've got to get creative. It's basically, yeah. it's just an antenna shoved through a hole. He uses those uh, cables you use to jack a car up when it's got a flat battery. You've got to, you've got to get creative. <laughs> I got a question for you then, Fenix. Obviously, you've all the tests that you do, and you mentioned um, AX tests and everything else. Um, I've always wondered a question about what, what you're measuring exactly in terms of how good, how far, how strong the signal is, and all that kind of stuff with AX. And one of the questions I've struggled to kind of understand myself is with RSSI, the measurement of RSSI, and I've been obviously doing some reading on this with all the other kind of acronyms as well, like um, R. RSRP, RSRQ, and everything else that the cellular world uses in terms of measuring the signal strength over the full bandwidth, all the other and then with AX because we're using smaller potential bandwidths, right? So they're going to be less than twenty megs. These resource units in AX is that correct? Yeah. So they still be considered RSSI measurement because it's over the full bandwidth that the what the frames being transmitted at, or is that going to be something else? And in terms of how we measure signal strength from AX transmissions, being able to sort of measure those resource units, it's something that's intrigued me. Way above my kind of understanding at the moment. But I don't know if you guys. I have that same question, and funny you ask us tomorrow. We're going to have a session on Wi-Fi six that I will be doing a presentation. I did one last year in Stockholm. And we'll be doing that, and I have to do some testing because I don't know. There's like no way to measure what each client. I mean, to capture the the packet that the client gets with a smaller 
other resource unit uh, spacing than just the 20 megahertz wave channel. You know, because you can have guys, you know, with just 52 tones or 26 tones and, and have different, you know, 13 tones. And depending on the number of tones, I think the uh, energy levels will be the same from the perspective of each client. I may be wrong. I don't, I'm not sure how to answer that, but that's what I think. Oh, be yeah, because the energy that you're getting, um, even if it's being formed to whatever you are, um, it's going to have you know the RSSA va RSSI value that has to has to be enough for you to uh, decode the tones you're getting. So my guess is that it's going to it's going to be measured the same way. Just that I don't we don't have. I mean, at, at the moment, I don't know how we can capture the upload and kind of see that. Maybe because the, the one of the captures that we did in uh, in Prague. I don't think we analyzed the like the packets that clients receive. I mean, we could capture the trigger frames, and these trigger frames are the ones setting up the clients. Like, hey, I'm going to be talking to you three at the same time, and you're going to have these many tones, you're going to have those many tones, and we can look at that. But I, I didn't capture, I couldn't capture, and I don't know how to capture, like once the transmission goes, like your packets with this, on these, um, frequencies, you know, the, whatever uh, resource units you were assigned. And then the packets that, let's say, Ryan, you're going to be getting, you know, packets on, your, on, on half of the channel. And then uh, Christian and Alan, you're going to be splitting the other half of that 20 megahertz wave channel. So we didn't capture see the packets that each one received. And I think there's their discussion about it, like, okay, how are we going to capture those packets? Because, yeah, trigger frames, they're sent a legacy, uh, in a legacy way that we can see it and process it. But once it, it starts sending data, we're not... But isn't the trigger frames going to be key here? Because the AP, that when it's going to transmit an AX frame, and you've got resource units inside that AX frame, isn't, it, isn't the trigger... If you're going to capture packets, surely you have to capture the trigger frames to understand, well, what is going to come next? Because even the client that's receiving that AX transmission needs to kind of know, well, what am I supposed to be listening to? Because there's a I whole... Know. Yes, that's part of, of the bandwidth like and frequency. Up. Yeah, yeah. That's like the setting up that I have this 20 megahertz wide channel, I'm going to divide it in this and I'm going to allocate resource units to each one of you depending on, I don't know, what. But then the, the, what I'm saying is, yes, that we can see and yes, it will tell you like what association identifier will be getting what uh, resource units allocated. But what I'm saying is that one, that's what we could see. What I cannot see, and I don't know how to do it, is once that transmission takes place, not the trigger frame, the trigger frame we can see it now, is once the transmission itself takes place, capture those packets and see what each one will, will get. Maybe from the client side? Hey, I mean, it's still going to be a, it's still going to be a frame that you can able to, de to demodulate. It's just going to mean that the, the capturing device has to be what exactly does it have to be capable of kind of being able to demodulate each of the different resource units if they were to for example if they were all very small right all these very small tones within a 20 megahertz wide bandwidth and multiple clients at the same time sorry and multiple clients at the same time well you might just add more complication why not yeah, yeah. so well that's, that's the point so, so, yeah. so, so, yeah, yeah. so again it's like you know how to even capture because let's be honest, if we can't do this now, or we can't do this very, very soon, i.e., you know, the likes of NetAlly, Wireshark, uh, OmniPeak, you know, these guys, 
then we can't troubleshoot in an AX network right now. So I guess the question I would have would be, if we don't have the necessary tools to troubleshoot a network when we feel it's not performing or isn't working as expected, then why are we deploying them? Why are we turning them on? I mean, I know we probably need to do that in order to try and, I guess, get the data as best we can to help develop the capturing products and methodology and the software and the chipsets, everything else. But for, for the moment, we can't really... I guess anyone says to me, oh, can we get an AX Wi-Fi deployment put out there? And I'd be like, no, hell no, because I can't fix it if it goes wrong or there's a problem with it because I don't necessarily yeah, have the capability to understand what's wrong. Yeah, but when they ask me, you know, should I do AX even though I don't have any client? Like, yes, absolutely, yes. Newer chips, newer everything, you know, all the uh, logic uh, behind it is that it works with what you have. And it will also work once we get the AX population. So what we have to keep in mind is that now the reality is they are the same price. It's not like, oh, it's twice as much if I want to do AX. It's like, no, right now they're about the same. And it's going to happen as it did in the past that AX is going to be cheaper than AC. If you want to buy AC APs, there won't be any. Let me ask you another question then, because obviously you're talking, I agree with what you just said. Yeah. Buy AX chipsets because they're the latest and everything else. Because technically you don't have to use it, right? You can, don't, you don't have to use our FDMA. You don't have to use all the other features that come with it. With what you've just been talking about, um, I guess the question is, um, how, does a, how does a client today determine whether they use N, A, C, B, G, and A? Obviously, depending on the broad, uh, on the broad, on the band that it's on, whether it's um, you know B, G, and N versus A, N, and A, C. The point being is, when does a client determine, well, am I going to use an A, C because it's the newest one, because I'm capable of doing it, or am I going to be using N? Are we going to have the same issues when we're dealing with an AX-capable uh, access point and AX capable clients, are we going to turn around and are they going to dictate to say, well, if you could do AX, let's do AX because it's the best and it's going to mean we're going to get faster throughput and it's going to be amazing. But from a troubleshooting perspective, i.e. if I don't have the ability to fix the problem when they do transmit AX and there's a, there's a break in the communication or there's a, an error of sorts that is it the Wi-Fi communication for some reason, it's just faulty or there's an issue. How do I end up capturing that, fixing that problem if the client devices are saying, Let's talk AX and piss off Alan. <laughs> yeah, but I, yeah and, and, and I'm not exactly uh, sure about many of these things with, with AX, but I think it's going to be pretty much the same as it is now that it is clients who decide, you know, based on the experience they're, they're having. Uh, it's going to be their green diamonds. They're going to be uh, making decisions like, okay, is this modulation yeah. at, this, uh, at this speed going to work or should I just try, you know, a narrower channel? Should I just switch back up or should I go down? in modulation or coding or what should I change or how many times am I going to try here before I make a decision to move to, I don't know, a different AP, maybe I'm in the wrong AP. So I, I'm sure it's going to also depend heavily on, on, the, uh, on the type of clients and the population of clients we're going to have. Because here's the other problem, since we have AX and some devices are not capable, what some people think, and uh, we were talking about this earlier, is that the misconception is that, oh, now you can talk to multiple devices at the same time. And they stop right there. And then I had these uh, clients that were saying like, look, we need to deploy AX because I want my barcode scanners and my phones and my robots and my other devices to all talk at the same time and then be more efficient. Like Before what device are you talking about? Yeah, they're like, what <laughs> devices? Oh no, the robots and you know, they have like all kind of, you know, proprietary devices just using like BG N clients. 
like really, oh, I mean, barcode scanner and stuff like, oh yeah, no, those devices, you know, when a device that is B talks, then everybody has to wait. Same thing with an N and AC. And if you have the population of AEX clients, then you'll get the best of it. That you'll have an AP arranging communications with multiple AEX clients at the same time. And, you know, yeah, you'll benefit from it if you have the client population. But people think that AEX is just going to miraculously make everybody uh, be able to use the channel at the same time. Like, no, we still go through the same contention process that we have done so far it's not it's not going to change when you have population of legacy clients and i don't know it's going to be five years probably before we see i mean have you seen have you guys seen like a place where there's like greenfield ac ac clients acaps everywhere <laughs> we asked the same question i think to rick murphy actually oh. we asked um or, or whatever i mean it kind of yeah why isn't there kind of this greenfield functionality and it kind of <laughs> plays into the kind of six gigahertz frequency band in terms of why do we need to have all this back with compatibility bullshit for you know the legacy preamble for all legacy clients and everything else but but actually it kind of just to kind of add to your point and reiterate what i've mentioned before in terms of you know why are beacons sent at legacy rates why can't we have an mcs rated beacon so that we can literally have a pure greenfield site for ac clients that don't have to communicate at six meg or even up to 54 meg, because that seems to be the window. Why can't we have them? Give me a, give me a beacon rate that can be an MBR that can be, I don't know, 128 megabits per second. Yeah, yeah. Give me that. And, and that could and, and I'm sure we'll, improve my environment, right? And I'm sure we'll be able to manually force things to be the way we want. If we want to have an AX environment, well, I mean, if you don't want to have B clients on your network, what do you do? Well, disable B. <laughs> and then no B clients can connect. So I guess if you really want to enjoy the benefits of AX, you're going to have areas where you just say like AX only. And then How like no... disable the G client, client and an A you? client? I don't How know. How do you disable an A and a G client? Oh, I'm, sure N. I'm sure vendors will have... I mean, you guys work with multiple vendors. Christian, Brian, do you know? But the, the, there, is, there, there is a Greenfield AC mode and... Beacons can be sent at MCS rates, but clients have to be backwards compatible. And there's a lot of noise in five gigahertz and two point four gigahertz. So even if bollocks. you did set your network to be greenfield, the client calling it. I'm calling be it bollocks because they can hear everything else going. It, it's in the standard, know. and that's that's the whole point about six, six gigahertz is that in six gigahertz beacons will be sent at MCS zero. But the point is, if there's nothing else there, i.e., your greenfield site and all your clients are not talking. B, all these legacy rates, and I'm going to call G, A, and to some degree, N, legacy, right? Anything that's AX and below, forget it. What if I want to just run a pure AX, uh, ACX environment, for example? Why can't I? But, what, why do my clients need to be backwards compatibility? So if I've got an AP that says, I'm going to send, I'm going to send an, AC, an MCS rated beacon that's going to be AC, for example, why, my client would just respond to that. Otherwise, it would ignore it, right? Because it's always the transmitter and not the, the receiver that dictates the communication and the modulation, right? I think the main, the, main, the main issue is that scenario is so rare, being in a place so isolated from anything else, that vendors probably just haven't bothered building that compact, that, that feature set. It's a mystery. If you look on a, on a Cisco controller, for example, right, you can disable all data rates. It won't work because they don't bother... To, to build Greenfield AC, for example. But that scenario doesn't exist unless you're Fernie in the middle of Salt Lake City's Salt Lakes on a 
with yeah, an absolutely you could, be, you could you could be the one that um kind of discovers the the kind of oil as it were in the ground where i found the, the configuration the mythical greenfield cisco well, aruba all these vendors that this is how you enable the greenfield site boom mate you could clean up you could be there's you could be so retired by the end of the year yeah and there is so much testing to do, like all of these stuffs in theory and in, in the books, they may say one thing, but once you get out there and start you know, trying to connect devices and do things, that's when we actually see what's happening. So yeah, there are many things I don't have answers for. I also have you know same questions like, oh, I wonder if, and then we just have to what, test it because there's like nothing out there that tells us. All. I mean, if you look at the marketing uh, literature, it's like, of course, of course, yes, yeah, we can I, do this. I have but, to listen to <laughs> Getting it so done, it's a different Keith story. Keith reads that a lot, doesn't he? Keith reads all the marketing material. I mean, he swears by that stuff, right? Hmm. <laughs> His favorite. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. I'll tell you, let's, 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 let's dumb it down a little bit then, because obviously right. we um, kind of obviously want to impress our, our high-tech audience and stuff like this. So, so, so. We're asking Ryan a question. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not impressing anyone by now. I started by butchering your intro to the show, so I'm not Seriously, impressing sound butchers it every time you record. Don't worry about it. You're fine. So uh, no, what I was going to ask is obviously some of the things that we were speaking about, um, you know, kind of some of the things that you do um, community-wise and, and, and stuff. And one of the things that you were talking about off-air before we kind of went live, as it were, and, and opened up the pub, um, some of the things, uh, I guess, for, for your community, obviously, Colombian, have a, you, you're based out of Utah, but you have a huge um, kind of presence in Latin America. Obviously, being a native Spanish speaker and everything else, it helps. Um, but in terms of what, what's going on, uh, I'd love for you to kind of share what you guys are doing, well, what you're kind of uh, organizing and, and running with um, for Latin America peeps. So I think here's what I've learned. Um, Latin America is a difficult market. Um, I think we have been like neglected by the industry, by manufacturers, by vendors. Look down like, ah, you know, third world country, you know, there's not much going on down there. There's no money or there's, I don't know. But seems that way from many perspectives. Like one of them is um, like getting documentation in Spanish. Uh, hasn't been a priority for many, many vendors. Um, several, you know, uh, I know Cisco, they have their community and they have lots of things in Spanish and, and extreme and every vendor, Ruckus and Aruba, they all have uh, this uh, target audience. And, but the reality is like certifications. If you look at certifications like, uh, I don't know, CWMP, everything is in English. And yes, English is like the universal language. And you guys in Europe, you know, everybody speak two, three, four languages. Like, eh. But, you know, in Latin America, <laughs> Alan is like, no, me. But no, we, 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 <laughs> not the English. I mean, Ryan speaks Geordie <laughs> and he struggles with his English. Chris speaks really bad Yorkshire. <laughs> so, so that's one of the things that in Latin America, yes, if we are in technology, we have to learn English. And I get sometimes people like, oh, how do you say RAM in Spanish? Like, RAM? I mean, what do you, you just roll the R and that's it. There is no like way to translate it. There are a lot of things that have no translation. Yes, we call, we say Wi-Fi, but some people spell it like U, A, I don't see why. <laughs> just like it sounds, you know, because Spanish is phonetic. And, you know, in Spain, they say, 
they say Wi-Fi, but the language is one of the barriers. You know, all certifications and most of the you know conferences and stuff uh, are there. One of what I've one of the things I've tried to do for a long time is try to bring what we have going on in the U.S. and what we have going on in the U.K. You guys have your community and you have the association and and there's like more interaction. Down in America is like everybody's on their own. And uh, what I've been trying to do is just like kind of gather, bring the community together. And I try interviewing people and like doing um, podcasts. And I admire like all of you guys that do podcasting because it's so much work. All the editing, all the prepping, all the getting people, getting the questions, getting everything. That's a lot, massive work. So I admire what you guys do. And I try. Just me. It's just me, Fernand. It's not these two cluckers. It's just me. I do all the donkey work in this group. It's easy. Well, you don't quite check anything. You just be like, yeah, I sound great. Just, you know, (laughs) send it out there. Put it on Twitter, on Apple, iTunes, things. And that's it. That's the quality control that we have at this uh, wireless podcast. That's all it is. Ryan listens to it while he's walking his dog. I try to... Oh, and, and you and you guys take you know phone calls and uh, or record people's questions and then you know I mean that takes time and organization and effort and I mean you don't get paid for it we just do this because you know it's fun and because we want to bring the community together so that's what I've been I bought some beer in Latin America and I started with the podcasting and interviewing people at conferences when I went to class and in this class I mean you find these guys with these projects that were like what like working in underground mines like out there in the ocean in oil rigs and working in places that you would not even imagine so you learn from them like oh here I want to do an interview and you know so we can share this with the rest of the Spanish speaking community but then you get this podcast and then I gave it to Matthew and then he would you know when he had time just post it on the on the podcast on the blog area of, of w lampros and now i'm gonna have to like start doing it myself because you know we're so busy with other stuff and so much is going on so that's been one of the struggles just to like okay you have this recording you interview this really cool person that had this to share with the community now how do you get it out to everybody and yes we use you know uh, twitter latin america is not really big on twitter they are big on linkedin you know what linkedin is linkedin and then you're LinkedIn, and they're like, oh, okay. And then, wait, are you looking for a job? No, no, that's where we post everything. Because here in the U.S., the idea is LinkedIn is, you know, if you're looking for a job, that's where you post your resume, and then, you know, you get people interested. Down there, they use it as in, like, the social media place where you, you know, post about events, and then you, it's like this big thing. So you have to get to these markets. Now, here's what we're going to do, and actually we're going to uh, – do it uh, tomorrow we have a, a meeting schedule I, ha- I schedule a zoom meeting and it's the second meeting like for wi-fi guys in uh, spanish-speaking countries and then some guys come in like wait the second one where's the first one i mean I, how, why wasn't i invited and i told my friend like well you know only important people are invited to the first one but the reality is we had we didn't have a first one i just last week i was talking to a friend in colombia and he's like hey you know i haven't talked to you forever man let's like i sent him a, a zoom invite and then he invited a couple other buddies of his and then we started talking and then you know he was like flying a, a kite and the guy was drinking the other guy was like and then we started like chatting you know and they're like oh cool and then we talk about some issues with wi-fi and then like oh let's do this like, let's have a second one. And they're like, yeah, let's, let's create one and call it, you know, the first meeting of Wi-Fi. I got like, no, call it the second one. 
you know, and then we're going to get the ball rolling that way. And so far, like 50 people from Costa Rica, Puerto Rico, Mexico, Honduras, Guatemala, Colombia, Chile, Argentina, Spain, have confirmed like, oh, I'll be there. This is really cool. So we're trying to bring community that way. Same way we've done in the U.S. with Dalilan Pros, kind of an agnostic, you know, not Cisco, not Aruba. I mean, everybody works for some for someone, but this is not going to be an event for you know a specific brand. Kind of like a, one of the WLPC conferences, but it's just going to be you know us Wi-Fi guys talking about things in Spanish and sharing and unwinding from all of these you know stress that we live in. And yes, I know after you know forty webcasts and web meetings during the week with vendors and bosses and supervisors and coworkers and stuff, maybe yeah, another, yeah, another meeting is like what everybody wants, not, but I'm just going to give it a shot. Like, you know what? We're going to make it really easy. So that it doesn't seem like a webcast. And I came out with just three sessions. We're going to have a first session that is just to you know, talk, chit chat, kind of like, you know, share just in general. And then we're going to have a second session called, uh, tell me your problem. Wi-Fi problem. You know, we're not going to be giving here marital advice or, you know, anything. But it's going to be, tell me about a Wi-Fi problem that either you're having and you're scratching your head and, you know, banging walls trying to figure out how to fix it. And between all of us, we'll come up with some suggestions. Or tell us about a problem that you had and you went through the whole process and then you fixed it and then share it with us and then kind of like do it, you know, open that way. And then we will have a... Um, a subject for each meeting and tomorrow's is going to be wi-fi 6 ax that we were just talking about so yeah you can mm. probably see how prepared i am uh and then <laughs> we're going to be talking about it and i have some packet captures that we've done i i work with no francois and, and roel in uh in prague they did a presentation we set up a lab and and i have a couple of those jet nanos that we set up and I have a, my iPhone and I have a couple of AXAPs to do some packet captures and testing. So between today and tomorrow, I'll be doing that. And during the presentation, we're going to be talking about it because the reality is there's a lot of misinformation out there. And yes, same questions. You know, people ask like, oh, why? Why do I put AX? You know, I don't have any AX. Can I wait to buy AX? Well, because <laughs> it's the latest and it costs the same and you want to be future-proof. And a lot of these companies they right now are buying and they're not going to be buying for another five, seven, 10 years. So why not? Why buy AC when you can buy AX and be ready for the next, you know, five or 10 years. So that's what I'm no. doing to the community. Oh no, no. Yeah. Alan says no way. No, no. What, what, why just bypass AX completely? What will we'll go, go for sexy, sexy Wi-Fi? No, no, you don't want to do that. 802.11 VE. And you get the no, multi-AP coordinated transmissions just getting probed gigs. from all angles. Six gigs. And Very now we're getting six, six gigs. Or not six, 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 six gigs. What do you think? What's your opinion? Six, uh, six gig. <laughs> cool. Six gig is promising, but I'm just thinking, you know, because in how we do the scanning of channels to listen to all these beacons. And when you talk about 1.2 gigahertz of, you know, worth of channels to scan, like, oh Pens. man, that's Ever. Depends where you are. In the US, you're, you've got uh, 1.2 gigs. In the UK, we've oh, got 500 well, okay. Plus, it's, it's <laughs> easy because the 5 gigahertz beacons will tell you where the 6 gigahertz channel is. We've talked really? about this a few times. Yeah. 
So in the beacon, there's an information element. It'll say, I'm on six gig at channel whatever. Is it backwards go. compatible? Oh, really? You're on six so gigs. Yeah. Do you stay on six gigs or do you go back to five gig? Uh, no, you won't scan six gig because there's too many channels. You just scan five gig. Well, why can't you just kind of like say, well, these are the channels I'm using six gigs. Well, no, you, might, you, might, use, you might use 11K in six gig. That might help. I don't, I don't, to be honest with you, I don't know if 11K works that way in six gig. But if you scan for a five gig channel and you find an access point that's about six gig it'll say this is my channel in six gig you can okay. associate here but when you run the six gig and you need to roam what then well it's because there's that many channels in six gig it's probably going to be quicker to scan five so, but so is it probably it, use 11k are the six gig also gonna beacon in a way that say like oh by the way I'm, i also have this available in in ac in five gig i mean no no not the other way around so five oh. gig will inform you of six gig, but six gig doesn't care about five. I, I don't understand the philosophy that to go onto a six gig channel. You're going off channel anyway, it doesn't matter. But you're scanning, no you're asking the five, five gigahertz to tell you what six gigahertz to go. But when you're in six gig, you're in six gig land, right? It's vast, it's big. Doesn't make a difference. Doesn't gonna... make a difference. You could go to 2.4 and go, oh, what's, what's happening over here? You're going off channel, you're off channel, it doesn't matter what frequency you're on. But hang on, I don't know if you understood me. You've just said, and again, we've had this conversation before, but I'm going to... This is, this is like the third time we've, we've talked it's about It's new to me. Go ahead. Well, look, right. You've, so you've just said that in order to know what six gigahertz channel you're going to kind of roam to, yeah. on five gig, it's going to tell you. I'm, yeah. You're on five gig right now. You're going to... Here's a six gig channel to go roam to. So go roam no, to you, six gig. Yeah. I'm so, so it really gonna, simple for. So it's going to give the clients the option, basically, you know, as any op, any other options shared on the and on beacons nowadays, you know, like all the BSS load field and all of these fields will provide information that, depending on the intelligence of the client, is going to make a good or a bad decision. So what Christian's saying, if I get it right, is that there's going to be an information element there, also saying I, by the way, offer six gig on these channels. Okay. You cannot probe in six gig. So like so DFS, you can't probe in a yeah. DFS channel. You can't probe in six gig. So what you'll do, you'll you'll send your probe request. I think it's unsolicited probe request you can't do in six gig. In fact, in six gig. So you send your probe request or listen to a beacon on five, find the information element, and then join. Eleven K would allow you to send a direct probe request, and I think that's allowed. I might be wrong. So if you if you're in six gig and you want to go right and roaming now. 11k neighbor report. Okay, let's join my next access point. That's fine. Uh, so okay. much to learn, man. That's what makes this field so exciting. Yeah. And that, that's based on what I know about the US. I've got no idea how it works in the UK because there's all this, uh, I can't remember what it's called now, like location stuff, isn't it? Not location, but there's supposed to be a, a database with where you can and can't use 6 gig or something like that. I'm not, I'm not too about so what that's I called. I still, so I have an open question then. How does how do you roam if you're on if you're on a six gig channel? How yeah. do you roam to another six gig channel if you're on a six gig channel? Okay, you can either scan the entire six gig frequency and try listen to a beacon, find one, and roam. It's going to take a long time, or you just do what you do in five gig. It doesn't Cheers. matter. Just. Go through and Scan. probe on the non probe on the non DFS channels, and it's going to tell you what six gig channel to roam to. 
But so isn't someone or scanning the whole frequency of six gig to tell you what the six gig channel is? No, no, no. Because in the first instance no, is what I'm no, thinking. No, because the access point has got a six gig radio and a five gig radio. It's sending beacons out on five gig, and every beacon has got that information element which says, right, this is my six gig channel. You can probe that channel in five gig and it'll respond saying this is my information element this is six gig yeah or you can use 11k and you can ask for a neighbor report on 11k and six gig and it'll tell you neighboring access point is this one and it's probably going to use 11k once you're on the channel but there's nothing stopping you going off channel and going into five gig to probe it's exactly the same as you were doing five gig if you're off channel you're off channel it doesn't make a difference is this a real what thing frequency it is yeah Right, so, <laughs> yeah, but from what you're seeing, though, it means that you can't have Greenfield 6 gigahertz. You can't just have pure 6 gigahertz Wi-Fi because none of your clients will be at Probit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's exactly shit. what Chris saying. <laughs> but you, so then, realis- realistically, you wouldn't have 6 gigahertz, would you? By itself. You would. Why would you not why, have why 6 not? gigahertz by yourself? I want because if you've got a myself? customer... You've got a customer that says, right, you, I want you to design my Wi-Fi and I also want, to, want you to tell me what PCs to buy. So you'll see, right, well, I'll, I'll design for 6 gigahertz and I want you to buy these new Microsoft Surface devices and these new MacBook Pros because they support 6 gigahertz. You design for those clients. You design for everything to do with that. But you turn them on better. and say, oh, shit, doesn't work because yeah. we haven't got 5 gigahertz. Even better, my uh, uh, 2.4 and 5 gigahertz frequency is completely saturated. It's just an absolute mess. Airtime is through the roof. Yeah. What have you but, got? Oh, I've got 6 gig. Fantastic. Well, this is all down then to Then what do you do, client, right? What do you do then, Christian? It's all down to client drivers, isn't it? But uh, realistically, right, in, in my opinion anyway, a, a 5 gig and a 6 gig it doesn't client... Mind. It's going to be a software-defined radio. You know, the frequencies are so close. Then with a bit of clever antenna design, you can cover both frequencies with one antenna and you just have a software-defined radio and it'll change between six and five. If you look at the top end of the five gig spectrum and the bottom end of the six gig, the shoulder to shoulder, you could cover it with one cleverly designed antenna. When you come to do things like warehouses and things like that or stadium designs where you would use directional antennas and things, you get them now where the 2.4 and 5, the dual band. So if you're going to want to do it for 6 gigahertz, you're going to buy these new 6 gigahertz antennas. And the chances are it's going to be 6 gigahertz only. It's not going to be 5 gigahertz and 6. No, I think it'd be 5 and 6. It'd be, it'd be, it'd be either try band with three different radios and three different antennas. Hey, well, I, I, don't, I don't think it'd be an SDR. Any band support from any of their devices. I think they'll always, I, I think the problem is going to be that they'll want to support six gig. The problem is going to be battery life probably for these devices because there's no way they're going to remove a radio. Definitely not. They're not going to turn around and go, well, we're going to remove the five capability just to support six. I don't think that will yeah. happen personally. I think that will add to it. Um, and then, and that's it. So probably ends up being battery life, to be fair, supporting multiple radios. But it still kind of begs the question about for, six gig. For clients, it will be battery life, but for APs, it's going to be PoE that, you know, they're going to be sucking up power big time. Well, that's why we've got BT, right? Yeah, but is BT going to become like obsolete at one point? You're like, ah, yeah, 90 watts is not enough or 60 watts is not enough. Yeah, but the, the problem you've got now, it's not, it's not necessarily your... Um, 
your switches and things is it, it's also the cabling because when you when you're you pushing 90 watts of power through the cable <laughs> you know, when you see these massive like bunched together cables in cable trees you're going to see a lot of fires man because cables together all pulling 90 watts that that cable's going to get really hot and a lot of people and, and a lot of places they do skimp on cabling because it can be quite expensive even though cabling underpins everything that we're talking about now without cabling we can't do anything right we can do some weird right, mesh this, stuff, right? But this this is this is the wireless podcast, not the not the Cat Five. You're, you're defaming club. our brand, and a lot of places. I'm saying ninety percent of places will go with the cheapest cabling. Co- it's not the twisted pair disco. <laughs> They'll go with the cheapest cheapest coat they can get, and it's usually electricians that pull the cables in and terminate them. They're not they're not data people. They don't look at the standard of the cable. They don't look at the resistance and don't look at the heat element of it. And they also don't think, well, actually, I'm going to run these bunches all separately across the cable tray. So what you're going to find is you're going to have cables that are t- a test fine, that when you run a-, a cable test on it, run fine. But when you start to put loads on, they ain't going to get it, man. So I think when you get to that level, you're going to have to s- not just think about switches, in APs, you're also going to have to think about that cabling as well because that cabling has to be right. And, the, and, fire yeah, extinguishers. and the, the antennas, I'm guessing, are going to have like three elements. Didn't you have a, a cart, Carter on, on the show not too long ago? Or where was he at? Carter. Carter? Carter who? Exeltex. Come on, Carter who? Your buddy. Exeltex. Cowboy. Exeltex. You mean, yeah. you mean Exeltex. You've got to pronounce the company name properly. It's Exeltex. Exeltex. A Celtex. So when you ring them up and say, hey, a Celtex, that's how you pronounce it. But no, I don't know who Carter is. Have you talked to him about antennas and six gig? Are they going to know anything about antennas? (laughs) (laughs) He just just goes out shooting shit in Texas. (laughs) (laughs) Because my guess is that the antennas are going to have three elements now two, four, five, and six. So that's going to be another challenge. But that, that's yeah. that's one thing that I keep on asking and nobody's got an answer because, like I said, the top end of 5 gig and the bottom end of 6 gig are extremely close. And if you've got clients or antennas or whatever too close to each other, there's going to be a lot of sideband interference there. You've got to try counter. And I know Cisco have got the, uh, you know, the dual 5 gig stuff now with different polarization, but it just there's going to be a, a heck of a lot going on in access points. Yeah, but how about clients? Have you talked to, I mean, you've had many experts oh, here. Yeah. How about clients? I mean, if right now we're struggling to have, you know, uh, anything past two by two on, on phones, for instance, how are you going to have even, a, you know, a six gig, a five gig, and a 2.4 radius in, on a phone? It's not just that. It's the cellular as well, all the way up to yeah. 60 gigahertz for millimeter wave. And there's, there's, to be honest with you, that's that's, a lot, people are a lot smart, smarter than us doing this. Yeah. We're just, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Really. We're like asking questions. Ah. Yeah. And to be fair, we should just drink more. And just yeah. not worry about those kind of things and let the kind just, of clever people work that out. What they're going to think is, though, they're all going to choose a technology that fits and what's going to be mass adopted. So, 5G. 5G. Do, do you know what? It, that'll be one of the ones that, that does take off because that's 
uh, everywhere in the UK is going 5G. All of the main networks are going 5G. But when it comes to Wi-Fi, because it's all backwards compatible, I think you'll really struggle to see 6 gigahertz in there. I really do. I think you'll still see AC Wave 2 as being the de facto um, because it's used with everything. I think you'll see cellular and 5G try to move into 6 gigahertz. I think. Mm. And yeah, Wi-Fi is going to have to get there first. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not bad, child. I think, uh, yeah. I think that's true. I agree with that. Just one thing I wanted to talk about, you know, with the information elements I mentioned. If, if you think about WPA3 and the open enhanced, enhanced stuff, right? In transition mode, basically, you advertise an open network as you do, but you've got an information element which said, if you want to go to OWE, this is your network to join. What would be nice, if you go into that WPA3 enhanced transition mode, but the OWE network you refer to in your information element is your 6 gigahertz network. And then you can push all your 6 gigahertz clip of clients onto an encrypted open network. That would be brilliant. Oh, that sounds amazing. Talk to me like that again, honestly. Yeah, yeah. This is when Christian has a drink, Bernie. That's 802.11. The guy just turns on the charm. And I tell you what, if there's any type of, you know, IEEE kind of nerd geek listening into this, he's just going to fall in love with what it, it, it's about. a night. It's a nightmare these days because whenever I go for one of these proctored exams, I've got to get drunk first <laughs> and I'm sat there swaying about and yeah, my eyes roll and I'm going, Oh yeah, see, see. And the, the women hey, always try to chat me up on, on the other side of it. So, so <laughs> Christian gets all, you know, all taking now he's drinking. So what does Ryan needs to drink to kind of like get up or because is he, like down right now or is it just my impression that he's like eh. I'm tired man he needs he needs a Greg sausage roll one of those Ryan, for up is... Ryan's just overwhelmed by the sheer brilliance of um, his peers like me I'm just letting the experts speak man I just I'm letting you guys speak uh, a, a couple of months ago Fernie we had Ryan's ultimate idol on and literally if if, if Ryan had a wet dream it'd be about this block. And uh, for no reason at all, they didn't show up. And me, Alan, Dan had to speak to Jim from Seven Jim Signal, Vajan. Jim Vajan. Yeah, we had to speak to him and explain where Ryan was. And Ryan, Ryan was just like shaking in the corner, like, you know, like Gollum going, oh, my pressure. Seven Signal. So I'm surprised he showed up. I'm surprised he showed up today because all, all he speaks about is that Thai restaurant you went to. He goes, oh, me and Fernie, that Thai restaurant. Ah. Oh. If you've noticed, oh, watching Ryan, Ryan's just been looking at you with puppy dog eyes constantly. That's why he can't speak because he's just he's just so in love with you right now. I mean, he's like, look at him, look at him. Oh, it's true. He's running up and he's getting really. I, that's, 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 that's not a microphone in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is rated R. Okay, back to oh, you, oh, Alan. Raunchy. Back about language and we've got a question actually. We've got a voicemail for you, Fernie. Should we do it? All right. Uh, oh god i'm not prepared to start share music share right this is from um one of our only listeners called Jermund. german german from nowhere again from nowhere i want to send my thank you to for me for what you did to me at the last real pc in prague he like one of the stars big stars in the white house circus came and took a selfie with me not the other way around. It meant a lot 
Kimi personally, both as a welcome to the community and an acceptance to what I do. So, thank you, Fernay, and goodbye. So it's more, more oh, of a love fest of Fernay. What, that's, what was the Wi Fi superstar, Fernay, the king of the Wi Fi circus, I think he said, um, took, a, took a picture with him. Is he himself yeah, to be welcome to the circus. Yeah, welcome to yeah. And uh, you know, in this journey of you know traveling around and going to classes and conferences, and I've met a lot of people. And uh, and German, you know, uh, he's he's got a you know special place in my heart. He's such a a, a sweet guy, and uh, he was like new to a community, and uh, he definitely brings a lot of. Uh, knowledge and, and like dedication and stuff that we, I mean, I've learned from him in such a short period of time. And, and this is what this community is all about is, you know, people just you know, come from other industries and other things and, and they just start contributing. And uh, yeah, well, thank you for calling, you know, cause uh, this is kind of like what I was talking at the beginning with, with uh, Ryan is that, uh, you know, you go to these classes and you go to these conferences and then, you know, you, you, you touch people without knowing and, and, and they touch you as well. Oh. I mean, no, I'm not talking about oh, that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> talking about, this isn't the like, Jimmy Savile show. <laughs> I'm talking about like touching the you know, educational side of things. Of Okay, this still sounds bad. <laughs> you get affected. I think I'm blushing. Am I? You can see. Um, but it, like, you get, you get. Um, touch. I mean, how else are you gonna say that? You know what I mean, right? You get touched by people in the industry. You get. <laughs> that's still funny. Just keep saying it. It's so funny. Uh, touched, I got touched by you, oh, Fernie. Okay, let's see. Uh, you get inspired you all the time. I see you. <laughs> Uh, okay, about, some really dark, moodly documentary. You. <laughs> You'll see the documentary on Netflix. I was touched by Fanir, and everyone's just going to come on from the class and say, "Yeah, he touched me too." <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be thrown Fene, in jail. Fanir admits he touches everybody. everybody. <laughs> Keeps on probing me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go on, Fanir. <laughs> We understand what you were saying. Okay. Just say so, it again because it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. So, yeah, the, the point is, you know, like Germany is one of these outsiders that, you know, had never heard of or seen before. And then now he's part of the community in a way that he's just like coming as a bulldozer, just like, you know, giving us all this knowledge and, and, and spending all this time on his own because, you know, his, his main job apparently is not Wi-Fi where he works. And he's just spending all this time to contribute to the community and give us. And, you know, there's so much to learn in this. I mean, I'm barely learning, you know, N and AC. Now we're trying to figure out AX and now we're talking 6E. Like, ah, so this is what makes this community what it is and it's people like german that you know he just comes and becomes part of it like he, he's always been part of the community so thank you german for calling and yeah feel the same way it's been special uh meeting you at the conference and you know that goes for everybody out there just you know be part of the community and, and join and and have fun that's what we do
we get touched. <laughs> forget about me. Maybe that's why you forgot about me. Maybe that's what happened after the. Uh, no, the it's because you with came Ryan. in your Harold Shipman costume today. You you beard like Harold Shipman. That's probably why he didn't recognize you. No one, no but, one knows who Harold Shipman is. Even I don't. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. I, I don't He's a very he very bad doctor. <laughs> why? So if you've funny, got a cold, if, if misdiagnosis. Yeah, definitely. So, all of these places you you visit around the world. What is the the best thing or most interesting thing you've learned from your travels? Well, not that I've traveled much uh, compared, you know, to other guys in the industry. Um, but the little countries I visited, mostly is in, in Europe. Uh, Latin America, I've been only in, uh, in Brazil and Colombia, of course, where I'm from, uh, and then Central America, you know, some of the countries there, and, and, and that's about it. But here's the most interesting thing that, that I've learned. Um, I mean, there are so many things, but here's the, the, the main thing, is that people throughout, um, we forget about the, like, the humans behind you know, this technology. And yes, we, we're always used to, to seeing people at conferences and, and, and looking at trainers online or looking at books and, and, and then we just know like that aspect of, of what we do and the troubles we have and the issues and, and we just try to, you know, gather and meet and learn to see how I can fix this other problem. And, and the one thing I've found, I found in common everywhere not only we all have the same problems because, you know, if I've shown in class, uh, Wi-Fi doesn't speak French or English or Swedish or Spanish. It's just Wi-Fi. Uh, and we all face the same problems. That's one of the things that, that I've gotten. But the main thing is that once you look at, like, the humans behind these problems and these technologies and these challenges that we all face, we all have, you know, our lives that you know we have ryan before you know you were you, with your kids were in your office and stuff and and we have our families and and especially nowadays with all that's happening we realize that yeah sometimes we focus so much in this stuff and these technologies and we're so worried about it and we sometimes forget about like that we're all humans. We're all just, you know, we have, you know, problems and we have issues. And I got, you know, to know people all over the place that once you go and have class and you finish class, then you get to hang out with people and go to restaurants and, and, and sometimes just walk. You just go walk and go for a walk, you know, a place, and then talk to people about, you know, not Wi-Fi, just like, you know, what they like to do. They like to ride bikes. They have, they have a car. They're rebuilding. They, or, or they're having issues. They're having, um, you know, material problems or, or just personal problems. And, and that's what we don't look at in, from this point of view because we're always talking about technology and Wi-Fi and all these things. But I think the, what we forget about is the, like the human side of things. And that's like one of the things that is more fascinating is to, to see that regardless where you go, there's going to be these guys and they have their families, their likes, their dislikes, their you know, illnesses, their problems, their issues because you know, we all have you know, certain sort of issues. And... That's like the more fascinating part of the, the traveling I've done so far. Of course, you know, I haven't traveled much since March, but, but uh, 
that's one of the things I also miss from the classes. But yes, from all the traveling, I guess it's that human part that I kind of feel uh, really um, special towards. I think I think that's one of the good things behind the small community. So like the the stuff you're doing in Latin America and the UK community, we've got we all we all know each other personally. We can all talk to each other personally. And, you know, we've met each other. I know I know since the start of the year we probably haven't seen each other at all but we can if we've got a problem we can share it if we've got a, a you know a spare bit of time we can have a chat and it helps a lot just being able to talk to people that you can almost relate to because they're more local or that you know they're from a similar heritage to you and that makes a big difference and um, but but on the other hand you can look at people from other parts of the world like we can sit here and look at the american guys who have a certain bravado that's different to ours and you don't seem you miss the personal side of what people are going through and what the reason behind what people are saying and we've talked about it before like the perception of people and all that kind of stuff and it makes a difference being being able to relate to people because yeah you know them absolutely and this is one of the things that is special about this community that is such a small world, and especially nowadays that we have access to you know, all these technologies and stuff that we can just, you know, within minutes be connected and talking to people all over the place. Um, that, uh, yeah, it's a small community and, and, and we, we can help each other in, in many ways, but at the same time, we can also sometimes hurt each other. You know, by you know, with comments and 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 stuff that can be. I mean, sometimes we say things because you know we think they're funny, or because you know something came up. But it somebody may be offended, which is kind of like the other thing about this globality of everything is that yes, we have reach and we can help each other, but we also have to be careful because we can hurt and offend each other easily. It's different in cultures as well. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Interpretation of, of yeah. So one of the things I've noticed in a lot of um, forums, which is with the Wi-Fi Pros uh, Slack forum, I don't really use it a great deal, but I've seen in there that there's communication sometimes that are broken down because the kind of the textual kind of basis of what's been written the wrong is out of context. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. And and sometimes it can seem bullshit, brunt. Uh, sorry, blunt or abrupt. And actually, it isn't. It's just a style of text that's direct. If you were to say that, you'd probably, you know, understand it because there's expression behind it as well. Or you know the person that's saying what they're saying, so you don't expect them to say it with malice or with any type of aggression. But sometimes different cultures can kind of misinterpret, and that goes on with Twitter, not just, you know, not just Slack, I guess. But Slack seems to be more prevalent because obviously there's, there's the lack of character uh, restrictions. But Sometimes, yeah, cultures and being so global and that we're actually getting smaller and smaller because of technology, um, it can sometimes hinder, which unfortunately is just, I guess. I mean, a good example is the other day on Twitter, there was um, somebody who was a, not a native English speaker asking about the difference between I'll, I will, and... That's the only two out there, I will. But, you know, if you say, I will, I will do this, I will complain, um, it's it's... In fact, no, it was I'll, I won't, I will not. They're the three different things. So I will. That's If it's not in sort of a, a technical piece of text or legal or something like that, it sounds strong and defiant. I will not do this. I will not listen. I will not partake or whatever. I, w I won't. 
that's more relaxed. Yeah, I won't bother. I'm not. I'm. I'm happy. Um, and then there's Ireland. Oh, I. I can't. I'm pissed now. Yeah, clearly. Um, can I just? I've crossed over. You just, can cut that bit out. You can cut that bit out. Can, can I just kind of make? <laughs> I just I let everyone know I, know, I know what you're going to say. <laughs> the, while we've been on here, Manny obviously is in his usual attire: shirt, tie, uh, suit. <laughs> <laughs> very much for name and ones that we all know and love as the podcast has progressed well, i don't know how long we've been recording for now but he's literally got less clothes on and the only thing i've noticed is that you've got a shirt under his shirt you were wearing two shirts is that correct yeah Are you cold <laughs> it's warm in here it's still like, warm still in warm. here and you had a suit now you know. with a shirt a blue shirt you took it off you took your jacket off then you took your tie off, yeah. and then you took your shirt off, and there was another shirt. <laughs> I've never, I've, normally, it, people yeah. wear T-shirts, but you wear a shirt underneath a shirt. <laughs> That's amazing. Yes, <laughs> different that, layers. You know? this, no, this is just me. You know, I, I, I like to wear, you know, the um, you know, professional attire and, and the tie and stuff. That's like I don't know my signature. I would say because I just. I just feel that's like a way to respect not only my audience, but in this case, you know, you guys. But, you know, there's also, speaking of humans, you know, human, you know, behind that suit and tie. Just, just me. And, you know, I, you know, I'm wearing a pink shirt. Pink is my favorite color. You know, I like pink a lot. And, you know, short sleeve is just kind of so more relaxed I, now. Than, you know. Can I have a special request from you, Fanny, from me, right? Yeah. When the next conference happens, WLPC or whatever, whether it's in US or um, UK, Europe, whatever, one request from me, right? I want you, I want to see you in a tracksuit. That's in it. A what I want to see you in a tracksuit. In a tracksuit. You know what a tracksuit is? No. What's a tracksuit? You know <laughs> Come on. A tracksuit. What Loungewear. is a tracksuit? A tracksuit's like... Um, just, just like, like a body, like, like a, like a spandex type of thing. <laughs> yes, <laughs> if you want to wear that, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, like, that's even better than that was beyond my wildest imagination. But let's go with that. <laughs> no, but a tracksuit is like sportswear. Like, it's jog, like jogging bottoms wear. and joggers and hoodies and basically. Oh. I just want to, I just want to see you rock up in like relaxed attire, which tracksuit, which is joggers matching. Trousers, Nike, Nike, Nike oh, yeah, Reebok, okay. Adidas, yeah. Just to see you yeah. in a conference, like in, said. or spandex, lovely, yeah. mankini, whatever you want, mate. Whatever floats your boat, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you should just go run and just shorts and a you know t-shirt. Yeah, absolutely, I can do that. That's a simple yeah, that's request I, to me. I have a, I have another request. <laughs> I am going to okay. send you a podcast sticker. Okay. Oh, right. you have to put that podcast sticker on one of those pieces of equipment behind you. Ideally, okay. the antenna on the left-hand side. So every ECSE class that you do, everyone's going to say, "Funny, what's that?" And you're going to say, "Oh, have you not seen this before? This is the wireless podcast antenna." Ah, I can do that absolutely. Yeah. So, but it might take you a few weeks. To Chris, what's your request? Your well, no, mine comes first class. Not a problem. Just speak, Ooh, speaking, speaking okay. of which, right. So 
a couple of episodes ago, we had a we had a discussion about first class and a second class male and how far it can get. And it's amazing how far second class can get. But one thing I did after that was I posted Ryan. Uh, I've got I've got some uh, podcast coasters or beer mats. Uh, if you want one, you can have one. Oh yeah, you know, sure. You know, I've got loads of them. They're about thirty. Sent about four out. Whatever. Um, <laughs> so I sent Ryan one, but I didn't put a stamp on. Right, and I put my address on the front, and Ryan's address on the back as a return address. So I thought I'll put it in the post, and we'll go. This ain't got enough postage, and return it to Ryan's address. Anyway, I got a, oh, I got a letter through the. No, no, no. I've got to pay four pound, Royal <laughs> Mail, <laughs> <laughs> because the sender me didn't pay enough postage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. So you've so, I'm, re- I'm really wild. Four pound. Got a yeah, twenty top of that for trying to scam the post system. Yeah, but I was thinking that's not what it's proved at all. It just proves I can put something in the post with Ryan's address in the front. I'm not paying any postage. He'll get a letter saying, "No, you've got to pay four pound." He won't know what it is, so he'll just pay it, and he'll receive what I've sent him. So well, I haven't received a letter saying I need to pay four pound. Quite frankly, trust me. I said if I get a letter from Royal Mail saying I need to pay, <laughs> if I need to pay anything, then pay four pound for and a five packets come from you twenty pence. Yeah, I've, I've sent it international you. as well, so it'd be it'd be income. Um, what's it called? Import charges. So, £4.50. <laughs> so we're gonna have to send something to Fernie, but it's gonna have to be legitimate in terms of the postage needs to be paid properly, or just put an airmail sticker on it. That might work. <laughs> I will send mine first class Royal Mail £1.70 yeah. to Finney. Yes, and then Finney can stick it on his uh, on his big antenna. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, touched. Yeah. Oh, uh, is your big, have, have you touched uh, have you touched oh, a lot uh, of big antennas? <laughs> oh yeah, all the time. Look at that. <laughs> oh man, I tell you what, right? This has been fun. Um I reckon we should uh, kind of oh. there. So we should uh, we should uh, say thank you very much, Fernie, for uh, coming on and sharing everything with us. It's been great to talk with you, man. I love you, oh, man. Thank, I miss you. thank you for having me. I can't wait to see you. Yeah. I'm disappointed you forgot me. Do, do you remember my colleague at the same time, graduate Dan? Yeah. Who was that? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> right. He's going to listen to this one. Thank you. <laughs>